Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Like your last show was six episodes. And there's all this streaming stuff. I mean, I thought that streaming would create more shows and more opportunities for writing because... You know, that's not just over-the-air networks, but I I guess that hasn't happened because you read about complaints from writers that they're making less money and there's less product out there. Yes, absolutely. Well, and my show was 10 episodes, but I'm glad you got through six. (laughs) Okay, chat. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. That's that moment when you feel really stupid. (laughs) You know, I get about five of those a day, really stupid (laughs) moments. All right, a bunch of things to talk about, um, including a wedding that I went to on Saturday night. First of all, uh, I decided, I heard from my cousin Marilyn on Friday, maybe, Friday or Saturday, that she had gotten the most recent COVID booster. There's another COVID booster out there now that has apparently been cleared by the CDC. Okay. So I called my doctor and he, without a tremendous amount of enthusiasm, said, yeah, sure, take it. You know, you qualify for it, take it. Um, My son is looking at me skeptically now because he would be one of those that would say, "Eh, you know, you want to take it. No, follow your doctor's advice. So I took it. So I go into the CVS at the Target because I've had such good luck at the Target. Our friend Evelyn. Evelyn was there. Now, I don't have such great luck to begin with because I get there at 1.37. Lunch break? Yeah, lunch break. The the thing is shuttered and their lunch break till 2.00. But I wait, I wait, and Evelyn opens the window at 2 o'clock, and we chat a little bit, and she says, we don't have the vaccine, we don't have any. I said, oh, I said, do you remember me? She said, oh, yeah, yeah, I know who you are, and we chat a little bit more. Then she goes out of her way to make phone calls to other CVSs in the area. Isn't that, that's great. And she says, do you think you could get to the one in Spring Valley? And I go, where's that? She said, near the Wagshaws. I said, yeah, sure, I, I can get to there. She said they'll sneak you in around 3 o'clock. Sneak you in? This is not a private club. They'll sneak you in around 3 o'clock. <laughs> it's a full-service pharmacy. Right. So, <laughs> Terrible but, parking But other lot. people have appointments. They have appointments for these things. Terrible parking lot at the CVS or the, or the Target? No, the Spring Valley. Both. The Spring Valley parking lot. It's lots. tough. Yeah, it's not a great one. But it's free. Yeah, it's free. Yeah. So I go in Gotta there. Gotta fight at, the Millie's crowd. I go there at 5 <laughs> to 3, and there's an incredibly long line for pickup prescriptions like like there's nine people in the line so this cvs is very hard to decipher where's the pickup line and where's the are you waiting right so i go to the consultation line and i wait for a while and and one woman says to me i'll be with you when i can okay you know where am i going i'm gonna try and get this so about 10 minutes later she says what are you here for and i explain and she hands me a form to fill out and i go i I don't have my glasses. I'll just let me go to my car, get my glasses to read the forms and so on and so forth. And then I hand her back the forms. And then she says, okay, go sit in the waiting room. Well, I, I, I've never been here, so I don't know where the waiting room is. I said, where's the waiting room? And I'm trying to be as polite as possible because I don't want to screw this up and not sure. get the shot. And she points out this little... It's at the end of the magazine cord- aisle. Cordoned off area, you know, and okay, so I sit and I wait. And I, I determined that I'd wait till about 3.30 because I didn't think it was really pretty crowded and I didn't think I'd get it done. But by 3.20, she came over to me. She put her gloves on. She said a couple of things and she gave me a shot in my left arm. Uh, so that was, you know, however many hours that is, 16 hours away from now. My arm hurts. 
Oh, my arm. It hurts now. Um, but it's, Talk to Strasburg. It doesn't hurt terribly. You know, it just hurts. It's going to hurt for a day. Like somebody punched you. Yeah, right? it's going to hurt for arm. a day. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. It's going to hurt for a day, and I'm glad. But I you didn't took have it. any of the symptoms overnight, where it sort of mimics, you know, the yeah, well, flu or a fever. Yeah, feeling was just all kinds of sick. No, oh, well, that's then you. I'm you're too winning. old to have those. <laughs> now, why did I take this shot? Michael knows why I took this shot. I took this shot because I went to a wedding on Saturday, and left that wedding. Went to the wedding, utterly convinced. Everyone in the wedding had COVID. Not the Everyone people over are, a certain age. You trust anyone under over 40. fifty-five? You trust? I do, and you should say I shouldn't. I, you say I shouldn't. <laughs> I said anyone under forty is carrying every disease known to mankind and could not care less. You know, because they're not affected by it because mm-hmm. they're young and they're strong. So I, I became convinced that I had COVID that night. And Carol said to me, do you have any symptoms? Oh, I go, no. And she said, that's because you can't get it this quickly. You're, it's going to take 72 hours yeah. before you show anything. Incubation period. I right. Believe. So I'm still waiting on the 72 hours. So I went and got the shot. The wedding was the Jimmy Crilly wedding. His daughter, Margaret, to Colin Fay. It was a lovely, lovely wedding at Columbia. It was just beautiful. I mean, I, you know, I've ha- had weddings myself. I've been to weddings. This was really, really nice. So I was sitting at a table with a bunch of guys that I knew and guys that Jimmy works with. Um, the guys that I knew at the table, Jeff Fuge was at the table, and Charlie Tate, who I love Charlie Tate. I love Jeff too, but Charlie Tate is the best-dressed golfer in the world. And Charlie Tate's wife came over to talk to me at some point, and I'm completely hard of hearing, and the band was playing, and I don't really, you know. And you're enjoying some champagne. Yeah, I'm the only one drinking champagne. Everybody's going hardcore, but me, I'm <laughs> drinking champagne. And so I was afraid that Charlie Tate's wife thought I was a jerk. And I hope that's not the case, but I'll find Charlie on set because she was absolutely charming. And then a bunch of people that worked with Jimmy in his business. The girl, I just girl, she's a girl. She was like 33 or 34 years old. Sitting next to me is Molly. And Molly may have had some idea what I do for a living. That's totally possible because there were people who came up to me and they thanked me for the shout out to Margaret and Colin on the PTI show. Everybody seemed to have heard it. It was passed around. And, you know, and then I get, I get this and I get this more than once. I get this a lot. I've been watching you since I'm in middle school. Yeah, try to hurt me. <laughs> like, I'm so old now, you know, middle school. But in fact, Michael, you've been watching I've me. I've been watching you since high school. Yeah, you so, know. Yeah, so, debuted 10th grade. Yeah, so, you know, so I, I, I'm always grateful for that. Anyway, maybe Molly knows why I maybe should. And, and she begins, we start to talk because, you know, that's what you do. You talk. And Molly says she's from a small town in Ohio and she lives in D.C. now and she's from a small town in Ohio. Oh, yeah, what, what did you do? Well, we were, we were, you know, we had an egg farm. We, you know, we had the chicken farm. Okay, chicken farm. I'm used to that. I'm used to the, all those guys at uh, Rehoboth who were the chicken farmers. They were referred to right. derisively on the Delmarva coast as the chicken farmers, <laughs> right? So I go, oh, you know, well, tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, yeah we, you know, we had a bunch of chickens. Last night I said to my son, let's just recreate this. Molly had a bunch of chickens, Michael. How many chickens do you think is a bunch of chickens? I, I guess 25,000 chickens. 25,000 chickens. Which now, is a lot. Now, to me, 
25,000 chickens really does seem like a lot. Where are you putting all these chickens? You've got to have a lot of barns. Mm-hmm. And I know chickens are not treated well. I think you're raising some ethical questions. They're pushed together. Yeah. You know, and, and everybody places. knows that. Yeah. And, and it's, a, it's a rough smell sometimes. Can be. But yes. I would think 25,000 chickens is 25,000 eggs a day. How many more can we be talking about? And the answer to how many more we can be talking about from Molly is this. 12 million. Wait, let me say that again. 12 million chickens. It's a lot of frittata. That's, <laughs> 12 that's, million. That's a big chicken You imagine chicken going through there with a basket, taking the eggs every single day, which I'm sure doesn't happen. So Molly's farm or Molly's industry or Molly and it was founded she said by her great-grandfather her grandfather and her parents are in it and her brothers I guess are in it and I'm not sure she's in it but I looked at her a number of times and basically said what are you doing here when you got 12 million chickens that's it got to be doing pretty well and Nigel you looked it up yes uh well the great thing is when you go to Weaver Eggs her name was Molly her name's Molly. So the front page on the front page it says there's a new egg in town and it's Miss Molly's eggs well, I guess so, that's named for her. Good golly, yeah. Miss Molly. Good golly, Miss I Molly. Guess. Yeah, and it says that they've been established since 1929, yeah. fourth generation of the family now. Yeah, so the great-grandfather founded it. Now, it's in Ohio someplace, the, right? Oh, the own, yeah, Versailles, Ohio. Okay. If that's, I mean, that's... I don't know. That's how it's spelled. It's either near Cleveland or it's, or does it's it, near... Does it talk about the distribution radius? Cincinnati. Like, how far are we going? Uh, it does not say that there. I think they sell to people who sell to people. Yes. So is this one of the one of those things where you have ten different eggs and it's all coming from the same farm, but it's like different names for them? I guess. I, so I or went, different sizes, different qualities. I looked up the. To- well, I guess some are brown and some are white, and some are, some extra are big large. and some are small. Got a yeah. medium egg, strawberry yeah. eggs. Do they have those? I don't know, but you know, but did you you know what if you are how Cadbury? long do chickens live? They're not killing these chickens. Uh, yeah, it's not Purdue. They're not making no, you know no, chicken no. sandwiches no, out of this. They're, they're egg chickens. Yes. Um, I will check on the lifespan of a chicken in a moment, but I did look up, I want to give you these, uh, the top egg producers. So this is from 2022. Um, How much could it have changed, honestly? Cal Maine Foods is your leader in the clubhouse right now with just under 47 million chickens. <laughs> oh my God! Right. Where did they store these things? That's a lot of well, chickens. So given all these chickens, why was there such a price surge? Is this one of those, yeah. like, one, one farm got sick and that affected the whole What are we line, talking about here? This know. guy's got 47 million yeah, chickens. Cal, Maine. And then it drops off big time. After that, it's Rose Acre in Hillendale. Rose Acre's 27 million Hillendale's 20, and then it drops under 20 Is million. Is Weaver top 10? Well, top see, I, I have them listed here as just 8 million at number 13, so that's just inside the top 10, right? Oh, yeah, 13 is, is inside this the This is top old, 10. Old, uh, old data. So but it's old data. So if she were at 12, uh, they would be 6. Just just think think of this for a second. That's a lot of chickens. Think like you're looking at an open field. How large is It's not a football field. A football field can't hold... 40 million chickens this it's just an so think, about, think about a golf course think about how how many chickens one standard par four of say 360 yards can hold i don't think it can hold a million yeah i don't do you ever see those uh the water uh the water uh bubblers where you put your you know you put your bottle underneath it says this has saved x amount of bottles over the years oh, right. yeah 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 it gets to the point where over a certain number you just can't comprehend what it is anymore D- this is no. a, yes 
12 million chickens in a room is incomprehensible to me. It is. It's, it's, I can't, I, yeah. mil, 12 million. million. It's not 12. Chickens. It's not 12,000 chickens. One million chickens. 12 million <laughs> chickens. So according to Google, uh, chickens have an average lifespan between five and 10 years. They say they As egg layers? Uh, well, that's just the lifespan. Uh, what happens to them at the end? Do they pass away naturally or they or I think they, they go to Boca. I think they just <laughs> they go to move south. They say generally between three and seven. How are that with ideal conditions, which we think these chickens would have? I guess. I they could know. live to 10 to 12 years. So it's lovely. So yes. I wanted to mention that. And then um, Bob Howard's general store in New Hyde Park which so nicely sent us the Reggie bars, has now sent a bunch of things for Michael's children. Uh, they saved the our, three we boys. Have, we have three summer babies. And I think I got the birthdays all yeah. uh, taken care of. And they, as but they say, one, one of the we top sell toys, old candy, we I sell old toys. I am taking this for myself. I've not seen this Dunkin' Butterfly yo-yo since oh. I was a kid. So it's one of the, it's like Pogs. Everything has a time and place. Yo-yos were a huge thing at Lafayette Elementary, probably in 96, Michael, 97. There's, there are toys there Do that around the I world, remember. Eif- Eiffel Tower. I remember... Yes. You know, it's from Eileen and Ronnie. After hearing you guys talk about the paddle balls, we decided to send you some of our childhood The magnetic favorites. gyro wheel. Oh, the, yeah, the, look at that. The card says we sell old candy and old toys, too. It's Bob <laughs> Howard's general store. It's, I, you know, it's just, just really great. Thank yeah. you, Eileen and Ronnie. So I always have to say to Michael, now, will you take them? And then when will you take them? <laughs> Normally I wait for you to go to the other room, then I hide them. It's a little game we have. <laughs> when will you take them? So what else do I have to talk? I played golf over the weekend. I, I, I wasn't terrible. I honestly wasn't terrible, which is surprising. How'd you do in the sand? Um, I got out after a while. Not, <laughs> not on my first shot necessarily, but after a while. 12 million chickens. <laughs> now that's going to stick with me what? for a long 12 time. 12 million it's chickens. It's a lot of chickens. It's a big omelet. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, in, it's, it's a is, lot it's, of wigs. It's incomprehensible. <laughs> 12 million chickens. I would take a break. Michael Wilbine will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Went to Symphony Hall, got tickets and I caught him. Yasha Heifetz concert, a Beethoven sonata. The music was sublime, those composers, those Germans. Then suddenly from the box seats, I noticed a disturbance. Some guy leaped on the stage from the second row, said, Mr. Heifetz, you've got too much rosin on your bow. <laughs> Phil Cousy is my name, I'm gonna stop the show. Your bow has too much rosin, too much rosin on your bow. Too much rosin, too much rosin on your bow. Your bow has too much rosin, too much rosin on your bow. Gosh, a hyphen said I'm shattered. You really hurt my feelings. And oh, by the way, I'll be definitely appealing. Phil Cousy shrugged and said, Yaja, please now leave the rostrum. He jerked his thumb at Heifetz. Phil Cousy, yeah, he tossed him. <laughs> 
too much rosin, too much rosin on your bow. Your bow has too much rosin, too much rosin on your bow. A brilliant take by the brilliant Dan Byrne on the Max Scherzer thing. And they do indeed. All of violinists use rosin on yes. the bow. Plays in. It's, he's brilliant. He plays in Michael Wilbon. So here's my question for you. I want you to tell me which series you find more surprising right now. And there's only, for me, only two really surprising series, but I'll get to them. One is that the Knicks are 3-1 over Cleveland, mm-hmm. and I thought Cleveland was a significantly better team all year, and the guy who you love so much, um, uh, Donovan Mitchell, has apparently stunk through this series. Or, or Golden State 2-2, with Sacramento having played one game entirely without Draymond Green and Sacramento having been a significantly better team all season long than Golden State. In your mind, which is more surprising? Um, the Knicks 3-1 over Cleveland. Um, and the Cleveland isn't significantly better, nor have they been. There's a 4-5. Yeah, but I thought they were, like, in the top four the whole time. They they were, yeah, and the Knicks are fifth. I mean, they're 4-5. It's a a typical 4-5 sort of matchup, and uh, the Knicks have the best player in the series in Jalen Brunson. Right. That's that's the difference. Jalen Brunson's been better than Donovan Mitchell. Jalen Brunson is one of the best point guards in the NBA. So they got him, and he has made it so that even they could bench Julius Randle, who just wasn't playing, who just didn't have it, and still win the game. And so, I, I, you know, I don't want to say that Cleveland's out of it down 3-1 going home, mm-hmm. so they could get it 3-2. Right. But the other series isn't surprising at all. The other series is magnificent. It's not surprising. You know the Sacramento, if you've, you know, it's not surprising for people who've been watching all of this all year. Because you know that the Golden State Warriors are one of the two or three best home teams in the league and one of the two or three worst road teams in the league. And it's been a home-home series so far. Right. Uh, and, you know, Donovan, uh, um, De'Aaron Fox, who is a revelation to most people because they've never seen Sacramento play, De'Aaron Fox is somebody I voted for first team All-NBA. Not third. First. That means ahead of Steph Curry. That means ahead of Donovan Mitchell. That means ahead of a lot of people. Devin Booker. First team. So, no. And I voted Sabonis second team All-NBA. They have two guys who are in the top ten players in the league. So, no. Uh, But yet, you know See, Golden I'm going State the other can't. way, Mike. What what I meant by surprising is I didn't think Golden State would get to two two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that did, again, they they don't lose at home, and they haven't. Nobody lost at home. Right. So that that series is very much according to form. Um, it's 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 just a great series. I I just hope it goes seven. I I can't get enough of that series. It's been irresistible from the first from the first tip off. And uh, so, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm surprised that the champs played like champs twice at home. Uh, now, th- they were one jump shot from losing that game. And yeah, being they down were. Three, one. They were. You know, so, no, no, there's nothing. The smartest player in the league 
pulled a Chris Webber. The smartest player in the league. Yeah, yeah, there's some extenuating circumstances there, but um, yeah, I mean that's sort of the the, the, the bottom line. The, the circumstance being that they had just lost a, a, a challenge. challenge, so you lose your timeout. But the thing is, Tony, you can win a challenge and still lose possession. It's very, it's very weird. The whole replay challenge situation. I will just say challenge. that I admired so much Steve Kerr for saying it's all my fault. I didn't say in the timeout. I didn't say we're out of timeouts. This right. is 100% on me. I don't know that other coaches would have done that, and he did. Good well, for him. I mean, he, Good for him. he's got four rings. That's right. <laughs> and he's got the other thing he's got is the greatest shooter in the history of the game. That's right. Who then so missed? That, you know, who then you missed know. the shot that could have won the game? And so, right? They did. Well, uh, Harrison Barnes missed the former. Right, missed the last shot. Missed the shot that could have won the game. But Curry uh, missed the shot that puts them up three. Yeah. Yes. Right. And so yeah. they, you know, but they, what, what a series! What a series that is. Um, so that that series is just. You know, game five is in. Now the pressure for the first time. Well, there was pressure to win game one because they knew nobody believed in them. And I thought, I thought there was a lot of pressure on Sacramento to win game one, and they won it. Um, and so now game five, Wednesday night, is, uh, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a big deal game. Um, in this sport, if you look at all the sports, other than big-time quarterbacks in the NFL, other than that, Injuries play a greater factor in basketball than any other sport. Antetokounmpo, yep. yep. Kawhi Leonard, John Morant. What do we What do we do with this? You know, what do we What do we do with these injuries that happen? It seems to me with increasing frequency. I don't remember yep. Magic and Bird and Jordan being hurt like this. Yeah, I don't. Well, Magic was once. Magic once limped off with a bad hamstring. When Magic could have another championship, he could have six, mm-hmm. and, and I'm talking about like Game One. Uh, and James Worthy was hurt when the Lakers played the Bulls in '91, when the Bulls won their first championship. It, it happens. Um, it, it does seem to happen with increasing frequency. So why are there more Tommy John surgeries than there yeah. are than ever? I mean, yes, that's right. a lot of reasons. I, I, you know. Including, and I think one of the ones I'm just talking to trainers and doctors all the time, casually. Some for professional reasons when you ask questions like the one you just asked, and then and then some for personal reasons because I've you know did, you know had committed contact with enough doctors lately who treat athletes. And one of the things that everybody says, and there's no way to prove it, but I believe it, is that everybody plays one sport all the time from four years old until forty. And their bodies are not, and muscle, musculature are not evolved in the same way they used to be 100 years ago when the best athletes played, played everything. everything. Played everything. And I do believe that. I, I believe it because I also have a, a kid who plays one sport. He plays one sport. That's it. And that's all there's time for now if you are pretty good player at one thing. You've got to do that thing. You don't get to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to play football now. I'm going to play basketball because it's the season for that. No. No. They, they, and when you talk to pro athletes, you realize they've spent, it's like studying the violin. They, 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 they have time to do one thing, 
The culture allows them to do one thing. And so I think that's the primary reason for these. Okay. For so, for so, so many, many of the same kinds of injuries and this wild increase. It really is. And let me get to yeah. one other thing. Maybe this, this probably does reflect a personal prejudice that I have. How can Dylan Brooks not get suspended exactly? Uh, you know, these are, these are hard calls. I, 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 I don't know that... I certainly didn't look at it and think it was intentional. I didn't. I mean, he was going for a swipe of the ball. This happens, that could happen every game. and probably does. So, I, you know, unless you're assigning Dylan Brooks some intent... I didn't think I didn't think he'd be. Well, okay. Dylan Brooks has gone out of his way to make this personal between himself and LeBron James. Out of his way to do that. And so that's why I would say from a preventative measure, because I don't like this if I'm the commissioner, I'm going to sit him down for one game. No, no. He's doing it in a WWE way. Okay. Uh, You know, I... I don't believe that Dylan Brooks even believes what he's saying. He's doing this in a, you know, and it's not, I guess, you know, Ron Artest has been in this role. Rodman has been in this role. Were those guys ever suspended? Yeah. Um, But I I don't believe that Dylan Brooks even believes what he's saying. he's, He's going to theater to try and get LeBron James off his game so they think that's one of the best ways they have to win this series. Do I think it's stupid? Probably. Do I think it's going to work? No. No. Do I think there was intent involved in, in that? No, no I, I just Okay, well, I, let, let I, me get... I wouldn't even consider that. I will get to the key word. I know you think Minnesota is stupid. Really stupid. I think Memphis is stupid, too. Well, there's I, the, Memphis is really immature. You can say the same thing about, about Minnesota. But Minnesota has stuff like a guy hitting the wall right. with his fist right. on the eve of the playoffs. I mean, they... You know, Memphis does stupid stuff. I've, I've accused them of that. They're really immature, and that's what they're not ready to win. As good as they can be in the regular season, they're not ready to win. They have a they have a, another huge step on the growth chain to to to, to get to be in position to win. Um, and I don't believe they're going to. I think the, I think the Lakers will win this series. Me too. I mean, I think I'm not. I'm not going to say I'm sure. I think Memphis is going to even the series at two, and then we'll see. But Minnesota's just Minnesota last night, unbelievable game. Minnesota gave up the final 13 points of regulation to Denver to get tied wow. and take wow. it into overtime. And they are just the dumbest team out there. I, I, I say this all the time during PTI, and I have had. Hall of Fame players I'm friends with text me or call me during Timberwolves playoffs in this series. This they've they've gone for now to say to me, "Yeah, you're right. They're the dumbest thing out there. They're just unbelievably dumb. The stuff that they do, like last night, Tony, and I know you know we have some personal ties. We both do to that franchise." People in that franchise. I don't mean the franchise is dumb. I don't Nathan, mean that. Nathan Bubis. Yeah, on the bench. I, I, I you know, I, I <laughs> told you last night they have Carl Anthony Towns guarding with five 
fouls on the final possession. I don't know whether it was in regulation or early overtime like that. They have him guarding the two-time defending MVP, who's only the craftiest guy out there at the position, maybe ever. They have a guy, their best player, or, or second best player, Anthony Edwards, is quickly becoming their best player. They got Carl Anthony Towns. How can you have Carl Anthony Towns with five fouls on Joker when you also have Rudy Gobert, who you gave up 50 draft picks to get on the floor? How do you, no. how do you have him? You got five fouls, Carl Anthony. Go guard him. It's just, it's just game after game after game where you're sitting there watching him and you go, what? What, what, what is this? And so I, I'm sorry. I know, I, you know, I know that teams have things that happen and everything is not under your control. And there are snap decisions that are made that are in, you know, not effective and you don't want to call somebody stupid. But they do this so many times now over multiple years. You just, you just sit there and wait for it. Okay. So last night that was the, the bonehead move of the night, but it's you know they won. They also won. They beat Denver. They beat the one seed. And got, you know, yeah. they'll, they'll likely go on the road now and lose by thirty. But they will, was, but at least they won one game. Yes, they won one game, and they were tough and resilient. Yeah. Yeah. And they were a lot of good things. Let me say that for that coaching staff and those players, they were they were tough, and they they stayed it, and they went and, and they beat them in overtime. So good for them. All right, I'll talk to you later. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, will take a break. Jason Locke and Fora will join us. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Well, hold on. Let me see. Just one second. I this is Jacob who writes, I'm Jacob, long time little. This is me trying to help out my little brother and his Brooklyn-based band, Every Flavor Weather Machine. This is their new single that came out a few weeks ago titled Depression Disco. My brother is on drums and got 100% of the musical talent in our family. Here's the bio for the band. It's a nine-piece disco funk powerhouse hailing from Brooklyn where they bring their carnival of keyboard-driven grooves to dance floors across the city. This is called Depression Disco. I really like that title. It's because <laughs> disco makes everyone depressed. That's like really good. Again, the band is called Every Flavor Weather Machine. Michael, if people from Every Flavor Weather Machine want to send in their music, how do they do it? We'll send play us, it. Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. It plays in uh, Jason Locke and Fora. And I'll tell you this true story. I was out walking my dog this morning, and close to me is someone who works for the government and gets some protection in front of the house. Okay. And I know the people who sit in the cars because I walk my dog every day and they know who I am and chat. One of the secret service guys gets out of the car and he says, he looks at me and he goes, so do you hear this stuff about Aaron Rodgers? And I go, what, what stuff is he? What? 
and go, well, it seems, he says, it seems a little shady now about him going to the Jets. He may not go to the Jets. And this leads us into my Aaron Rodgers conversation that, uh, that agrees 100% down the line with Jason that we have somebody who's just become a whack job in the, in the last couple yeah. of years. And, but anyway, is there... I, it does occur to me this is draft week, and we have heard nothing about Aaron Rodgers. What what's up with him? Well, I'm just glad. I thought that that was going to a, a something about my legal standing when you mentioned you know government officials, no. people <laughs> sitting in cars. Yeah, and I thought somebody's going to be like, "Hey, yeah. lock and for it. Don't put him on your show again." Yeah, yeah, we got five warrants for his arrest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, look, th- these guys. This is a match made in. Football follies heaven. I mean, Woody Johnson, Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be awesome, man. It's going to be. Uh, it, it's it's going to be absolute. It's going to be absolute chaos. Um, it's got to happen. Like it, it. They this arranged marriage at some point. You know, we'll go off and you know, whatever the village idiot or the, the town <laughs> crier or the mayor or whatever will pronounce them quarterback and franchise, and they will go off. Uh, into you know a season that will net them between seven and nine wins and and exponentially more uh, ridiculous press conferences, um, you know Aaron Rodgers ripping people on his Buddy McAfee show, uh, calling out receivers like it's it's going to be epic. Um, he's got nowhere else to go and make that kind of money though, and the Packers have nobody else sitting at the table dumb enough to take on that salary. <laughs> So at some point they'll figure it out, you know. Given who's in charge of those two franchises, it's not shocking. It's taken months to solve this riddle. But um, the Jets got to be smart enough not to fully capitulate and you know not give up a one or anything close to it for for what's left of this guy, um, who's more into patting the back of his football card and you know creating buzz about himself than he truly is about. Um, lifting a franchise or being the best football player he can be. I mean, it's just, you know, it's pretty obvious what he's become and what he's about. And somebody will give him $60 million to continue this Kabuki theater. And that that, that one person is Woody Johnson. Okay. I'll go to one other uh, quarterback out there story before we turn to the draft, and that's Lamar Jackson. What's going on now with Lamar Jackson? <sighs> Nothing. Um, you know, at this point, I think Lamar Jackson's got no real reason to to do much with the Ravens. I think if you're Lamar Jackson, you're thinking, all right, well, there's going to be this draft. Is somebody going to be left without the quarterback they thought they were going to get? Um, is somebody going to reassess their roster in a week or two weeks or, you know, have organizational meetings before they kick off their spring practices and say, wait a minute, you know, that that former MVP is just sitting down there at his soul food restaurant in South Florida waiting for somebody to give him a phone call. You know, and it only takes one. So I think there's some teams that might like this proposition more on the other side of the draft for the reasons I just stipulated, as well as the fact that you're now trading future draft picks that you weren't going to use for another year anyway. Right. You know, right. and you've right. gone through this process of making your team, you hope, significantly better through um, the weekend by drafting players, and now you may be sitting there saying, all right, let's take a run at him now. You know, let's see if Baltimore is more vulnerable now. 
that they've given this money to Beckham. Um, you know, or, or let's just, for opt, pure optics alone, let's not let it look like we thought we were okay with this middling pedestrian or worse quarterback room that right. we have. Um, let's try to sell some, you know, let's get a late run on season tickets. Let's take a run at this guy. And, you know, I think it's most likely that you'll hear a lot of that about the commanders and maybe the Patriots and I guess the Colts if they don't draft a quarterback, but I really, really think the Colts are drafting a quarterback. You know, maybe the Texans if they don't take a quarterback at two, which I don't think they're going to do, or they don't take one at 12, which I also don't think they're going to do. Um, you know, there may be some potential suitors sitting there, and if you're, at Lamar, if you're Lamar Jackson at this point, you've got no reason to flinch. You're not playing football for another half year, um, and you still have until July 17th to get something done long-term with the Ravens, if, if that is to happen. And I don't think anything long-term would happen, but perhaps there's a two- or three-year deal out there for these sides to do. Um, I will go to quarterbacks in the draft after this because I'm, I'm, I'm curious about it. The Georgia kid, the lineman yeah. who was involved in that thing that worked Jalen out Carter, so yeah, yeah worked out so terribly that two people died. Yeah, he was supposedly a top, certainly top ten, maybe even a top yeah. five pick. Has his draft status been affected in any way by this? At the end, I don't think it will be toned. Um, if I had to do a mock right now, and I will have one in the Washington Post on, I believe, Wednesday, I would slot him to Seattle at five. Um, I don't think he goes much later than that, if at all. This is a draft that is bereft of what you would call blue-chip talent, the kind of potentially generational players at key positions that personnel guys would be banging you know, the table for, like, we've got to find a way to get to that pick for that yeah. player. <clears throat> you know, if we don't get up into the top eight, the draft falls off a cliff, or we don't get into the top 12. Like, this year, they're, you know, depending on these quarterbacks fair and, and what you think of them, there might be six to eight of those players. You know, but in, in some years, there's double digits. And it's, it's, it's also, you know, a weird draft overall because people still can't figure out exactly where the quarterbacks go, um, which, you know, if you're trying to, to do your homework and figure out where your sweet spots are and you're not in the quarterback market, then you're hoping as many of them go high as possible. But, you know, as much as we talk all winter about them possibly going one, two, three, four, that that very well may not be the case now. So because Jalen Carter is one of those blue-chip guys in terms of his production, um, and you can dream on him being uh, a game-wrecking D-tackle, and there's not a lot of edge players who people absolutely love, and there's no wide receivers, you know, and the corners, there, there's, there, there is a good corner market, but I do think two of them will still go in the top ten. So, you know, you just start looking at defensive players who could go in the top five. Um, he's in that group, and I, I think he's, he looks to me like a Seattle Seahawk. Okay, let me go to what you just said, that it doesn't look to you at this point that quarterbacks will go one, two, three, four. Go team by team and tell me who's not going to take a quarterback. Well, you know, Bryce Young is going first overall. That's right. um, pretty much an accepted uh, fact, certainly in the betting markets it is. And we've been telling you at the Washington Post for the better part of two months that since Carolina made that trade, that that's where that was headed. Right. Um, two, a lot of us assumed, okay, the Texans will just take C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud is the same agent as uh, Deshaun Watson. There is a lot of bad blood there. I think if you stripped out that um, factor, 
who represents him. I think the Texans would quietly tell you he is QB2 for them, but they're not taking him there, and they're not in love with the other quarterbacks. I know the betting markets are now showing Will Levis there at two. I'm, I don't fully embrace that. I think the Texans will take the best defensive player on their board, and oh. then I, I think that would be the pass rusher out of Texas Tech, Tyree Wilson, who some people think has a, has a higher upside if everything maxes out than Will Anderson, the kid from Georgia. Three, um, three stuck with Kyler Murray. They've made their bed there, and they can't find a trade partner. Now, ultimately, I, I think they may, and I can see Tennessee moving up and taking Stroud there because you want to get ahead of Indianapolis just in case they aren't Team Levis, although a lot of us have thought that they're all over Will Levis. Um, I do think Levis would be the pick for the Colts at four. Um, you know, and, and then, like, okay, well, where does Richardson fit in? And I, I don't think he gets past the Raiders and the Falcons. The GMs and evaluators I talk to in the league, they, they kind of think those teams don't protest too much about they don't need a quarterback. What are you guys talking about? We've got Ritter and Jimmy G. What more yeah. could we ever ask for? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I'm not buying what they're selling, and maybe one of those teams moves up. Maybe one of those teams moves up to two, and you know that's how the Texans get out of that pick. But we're getting pretty close now, and two and three have had a really difficult time getting what they think is close to value for their picks. So um, if they're trades, then those trades are most likely for quarterbacks. If they're not, then I think you know the fourth quarterback might end up going in that seven eight range um, more so than four. And that, just to to clarify for people listening, the top four are in your mind. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's a consensus. I mean, maybe not about the order, but certainly right. about the individuals. Yeah, it's Bryce Young, um, it's Anthony Richardson, it's C. Will Levis, and, yeah. uh, and it's C.J. Stroud. And I do think uh, Hennon Hooker, the fifth quarterback, goes in the first round as well. Okay. And I know last week there were some pretty interesting prop bets about you know, four-and-a-half quarterbacks in the first round, and you can get pretty good value for the over. Um, I think someone will get him in the first round because if he is a redshirt next year, if he's a medical sort of um, project, you want to have the fifth year on him. You want to, you know, you want to have the fifth-year option on him, which you can only get if you take him in the first round. And I think Minnesota would be a real natural fit for him at 23. Fascinating to me that the influence of betting uh, on our lives that, you know, that, you're now betting how many quarterbacks go in X amount of picks. I mean, I'll, I'll just ask one other question. It's Over another... one and a half running backs, two tone. Well, I would get on that one. It's another Maybe. quarterback. Might pay question. for a round of golf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brock Purdy had a sensational six or eight games, whatever he had uh-huh. for San Francisco. He was the last kid picked. Yeah. What does that tell you about draft experts, if anything? Well, I think we also need to like make sure. Like, Brock Purdy is this thing that we kind of think he is. You know, like, he's played in a conference that was down. Um, yes. He had the best defense in that conference with him. Uh, he's got Kyle Shanahan, you know, devising things up and putting him in positions to succeed. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Kyle Shanahan is the best coach in the league. I think he's far from it. But just in terms of someone who can incubate a quarterback – and from week to week and play to play, put him in positions to succeed. I think he's way up there. So, and even with all that, I still believe if Tom Brady, you know, wakes up the day after Thanksgiving and says, "I'm ready to go see my man Tom House for six weeks and be ready for January," um, you know, and start the start the workout, start the kinesiology, start the throwing program. I think Kyle Shanahan's at the head of the, the list of trying to bring him in. So, 
but it's an inexact science. You know, it's 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 difficult. Um, I think teams go about it different ways. Some are maybe a little more old school. Some feel like with quarterbacks you really have to rely on the eye test. Some feel like we've got to keep finding new models and new algorithms and new ways to, to you know, crunch all this uh, emerging data so that we're seeing something nobody else is seeing from a numerical standpoint. Um, I think some of it is luck. I think a lot of it is, though, who is he, where is he, it's not just, like, where he's going, it's who's the, who else is there. Like, who, who has a pedigree and... And who has proven that they understand how quarterbacks think and what quarterbacks need? What kind of team do you build around him? I mean, just just go back, just look at down the road in Baltimore. In 2019, there is no more joyful, ebullient, floating on air quarterback on the planet than Lamar Jackson, right? Like that thing, that that moment, that synergy of scheme and talent, and like, it, and two years later, you know what I mean? It's like. That's right. They're hedging their bets, and they finally got rid of the coordinator. And, well, do we think he'll be better with the new – did we get enough for him? You know what I mean? Should we have changed the scheme sooner? Like, did we run him too much? Did we not run him enough? Like, it can be incredibly fleeting, which, again, I go back to Purdy and say, let's, let's – I'd slow our roll there. Okay. But, yeah, evaluating quarterbacks is – Something this league has always struggled with, and I suspect will continue to struggle with okay. for years to come. Plug your radio show for us, Jason. Hopefully, I do not sound quite um, as allergenic as I am right now. <laughs> two Zyrtex, not enough these days. Uh, but you can listen to me, Opine, from 2 to 6 daily on 105.7 The Fan, or listen on the Odyssey app, or stream us at www.1057thefan.com. And uh, you can listen to me all of Thursday night with my boy Brian Baldinger on Twitch or YouTube on the Odyssey channels. We will be doing our draft broadcast from 7 until whenever this thing ends, which I'm guessing is probably around midnight. Wow. Good for you. Thanks, Jason. My pleasure. Thanks for having me as always, guys. Thank you. Jason LaConfora, who's actually the best. He's the best. We'll take a break. We will have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. That's Phil Coleman on an instrument called the euphonium. Yes. It's just wonderful. It makes you want to dance. It does. Or do the penguin dance. It makes you want to do the penguin <laughs> yes, dance. Unbelievable. You want to do the Back Bethesda, to the front. Bethesda bagel ad side to side. <laughs> Bethesda bagels. We love them. We got the bagel sandwiches today. Always happy about that. All you need to do is go to Bethesdabagels.com, for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you will be thrilled. That'll so, keep Dad fed all week. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah? Yes. Yes. So before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, and let me just say before I say this, that Nigel said to me, I'll just give you the first line. I then did the entire song. <laughs> yes, you did. He, all, he, all he said was John and Mitchie. 
And then John and Mitchie were getting kind of itchy just to leave the folk music behind. Zal and Denny working for a penny trying to get a fish on the line. In a coffee house, Sebastian sat. And after every number, they'd pass the hat. McGuinn and McGuire just to get in higher. In L.A., you know where that's at. And no one's getting fat except Mama Cass. And the end of the song is everybody's getting fat but Mama Cass. It's called Creek Alley. It's, it's the autobiography of the mamas and the papas and, you know, and the love and spoonful and, you know, the birds and Barry Maguire and all of that stuff. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Jason Locke, and Fora. Thanks to our sponsors, Priceline, ZipRecruiter. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please Are these songs in and out, or are they going to stay with you all day? Creek like Alley will be with me for at least three hours. Yes, it'll be in my head for at least three hours. Sure. Um, I looked. I, I but again, when I asked you, you just railed no, for the, the whole song. <laughs> this is the only thing. I remember some sporting events and all rock and roll songs and nothing else. 1960s high school This is sports. from January 31st. I never got to it. I was listening to Monday's podcast and some of you, I don't know who that, what that means, were wondering if teeth are bones. They're not. The teeth has no bone marrow and they cannot regenerate. Teeth has pulp dentin enamel and cementum i'm taking an anatomy and physiology course this semester to prepare for nursing school so i'm glad i found this factoid out before you mentioned about your tooth issue so there's not right from eileen robinson in rochester minnesota hmm. and from joe pearson in indianapolis who has emailed us a bunch of times yes i'm not a doctor although my dad was but i've had the condition you described Mine, however, was in the right leg. The pain sounds exactly the same. I'm sure you get email from lots of orthopedists who will suggest similarly, but it sounds like an L1, L2 compression. It's exactly what it is. Uh, That is, um, your nerve roots are being compressed between the lumbar 1 and lumbar 2 vertebrae. Technically, if you want to go there, the pain is not actually in your leg. Your brain just thinks it is because it is getting signals from the nerve root that serves your legs. Yeah, it's, I thought it was the S1, not the L1. But yeah, that's what I've got. I need to decompress my nerves. Anyway, there is physical therapy to relieve the pressure, unless that is counterindicated. See, I can use doctor words. Like you, I never want to mention the S word because that just seems like the start of a slippery slope. That S word is obviously surgery, and my balance isn't that good to begin with. Good luck. Joe Pearson, (laughs) son of a doctor and nurse, brother to a nurse, Indianapolis. From Andrew Frank, from Bentonville, Arkansas. This is only relevant to the opening of the show the other day, referencing the cinematic masterpiece that is That Thing You Do. Those who enjoy Captain Geach and his compadres of shooting shrimp (laughs) might enjoy this. While watching the extended cut of the film last week with my masculine child, I noticed something. The scene after the jazz bar with Rita Wilson's character and Guy in the extended version is followed by Guy drunkenly arriving at the hotel. This would be the evening before the Hollywood television showcase. To open the scene, we see a well-dressed man by a small red sports car. Who should be waiting for someone outside by a sporty car at the hotel? Howie Long. Yes. Yes, that Howie Long. (laughs) Is there another? After coaxing Guy to go inside and sleep off his drunken stupor, Howie and Tom take off into the night. The longer cut of the movie is filled with all sorts of fun Easter eggs, such as a bar fight at that place out by the airport. I led you here, sir, for I am Spartacus. (laughs) Um, Elliot Olshansky, Comac. And he's yelling at me, and he's correct. Elliot's correct. Okay. Did I really hear you complaining last week about never getting an invite to the White House Easter egg roll when your golf buddy was president? As you have pointed out on many occasions, you're from the other side of the street. (laughs) Need I remind you that you did indeed go to the Hanukkah party where you were entertained by an a cappella group, 613, with deep roots at your own alma mater, performing a medley with lyrics by one of your own loyal littles? Besides, you were not yet a grandfather when 44 was president. 
What would you do? Have Michael get down on his hands and knees with a wooden spoon and grin as if he was riding a Shetland pony at Woodward's house? Best regards from Suffolk County, where I did not get to write uh, for 613 this Passover as they covered a medley of songs from the Prince of Egypt to celebrate the film's 25th anniversary. But I did write a parody medley for Binghamton's Jewish a cappella group, Keskesit, which should be released sometime soon. From Kenny Ray in Fort Walton Beach in Florida. The other day, Nigel used the phrase, the pros from Dover. Does anyone under the age of 60 remember where that phrase originated? I do. 19, but I'm not under 60. 1968, the book MASH by Richard Hooker. It's how Hawkeye would con his way onto fancy golf courses by claiming he was the pro from Dover. One of the reasons the movie MASH was so good is because the book was so good, so well written. Way to go, Nigel. There, is a, a, there are a couple of scenes in which uh, Donald Sutherland and Elliot Gould just say, oh, the pros from the Dover, pros from Dover. It's great, here. It's a great phrase. From Nicholas Vamvas in Albany, New York. I have a bagel story. A lovely shop opened down the street from us within the past year. My guess would be late summer. Their opening had been greatly anticipated in our neighborhood, and they were absolutely slammed for the first couple of months. I would drive by on my way to work in the morning, hoping to see little to no line so I could get in and out quickly. To my constant dismay, dozens of people would be standing outside the small bakery waiting to place their orders. But I'm a savvy millennial, I think to myself. I'll see if they take online orders so I can skip the line. I go to my Google machine. I search for the name of the bakery, Pearls Bagels and Bakery. They appear to have a website, so I click the link. Lo and behold, they do, in fact, take online orders. I'm overjoyed that I can finally grab breakfast on my way to the office. I place my order, pop on in, and expect to be thrilled. Confidently, I saunter up to the counter to ask for my order. I don't think we're taking online orders, says the clueless cashier. I smugly remove my phone from my pocket to show her the order confirmation. That's not us. That's Pearl's Bagels in D.C. Yeah. I ordered a bagel sandwich and large coffee from a bagel shop roughly 360 miles from my house. I eventually did get to try the bagels at Pearl's in Albany, and I highly recommend them to all littles. Okay. And on that same area, Dave in Cleveland Park in Washington. During the show, you correctly pointed out to the recent bagel renaissance ongoing in the D.C. area. Um... Recently, my partner and I took on the challenge of trying bagels from about 15 different local bagel shops in the DMV. Over the course of a year, our study included comparing everything bagels and assigning points to the different qualities of what we considered important to a good bagel, seasoning taste, seasoning coverage, texture, consistency, and overall flavor. In the end, we concluded that some of the ones you mentioned finished in the top four of our competition, but ultimately the winner was one you did not mention. I encourage you and your team to try out Pearl's Bagels. Near the D.C. Convention Center, their Everything Bagel has a variety of seasonings, excellent seasoning coverage, outstanding overall flavor, and all the necessary chew characteristics of a properly boiled bagel. All about the chew. After you try them, it should put the question of the best D.C. bagel to rest. So there's pearls in Albany, and there's pearls in D.C. I got a breakfast sandwich and a large coffee waiting for me. Yeah. Ordered online. (laughs) From Stephen Parker in Laurel, Maryland. After listening to your readings of One in a Million Coincidences for years... Well, we've only been doing it for like weeks. I have finally decided that my one in a million is worthy of sharing. Decades ago, I was visiting University of Maryland former college floor mate. We'd become close friends after Maryland had recently decided to allow co-ed dormitories. This should date me. We had both graduated from Maryland the previous year. I was visiting her in her apartment in D.C., and she had an out-of-state visitor that I was taken with. Small chit-chat ensued. The usual. Where are you from? Massachusetts? Me too. What part? Worcester? Me too. Really? You know Chandler Street? You have a relative who lives on Geneva Street, she says. My jaw dropped. So do I, I said. We looked at each other. Then at the same time, we both said, Shaw. 
Turns out she was a second or third cousin. Uh. Needless to say, I dropped my pursuit <laughs> of this young lady. I forgot to shut off lights in the house and can't find the milk in the fridge, but I still remember this story from Stephen Parker and Laurel, Maryland. <laughs> and um, one more from Bill Miklas in Kingston in Ontario. So April 3rd, the night of the NCAA men's championship game, myself and my good friend Derek Taylor were at City Oyster in Delray Beach in South Florida before going to a sports bar for a tip-off. Derek is wearing the Drink, Eat, Chatter t-shirt. We were enjoying a beverage while at the bar. Then a gentleman approaches Derek, who is a large, bald-headed fellow, taps him on the arm and says, I apologize for this, but La Cheeserie. He told us he was from Kentucky, and we told him we were both from Kingston, Ontario, Canada. Had a quick chat about how it was all of our inaugural random La Cheeserie. I told Derek that I needed to email the story in. Derek wanted me to also tell you that between 1996 and 2000, when you announced you got your first Cadillac, he sent you a Cadillac CTS keychain in the shape of a steering wheel. Anyway, thanks for the awesome show that brings unlikely strangers (laughs) together. Isn't that amazing? That is great. These things are amazing. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. But we don't have the chaputzpah to do it. (laughs) Went to Symphony Hall Got tickets and I caught him. Yasha Heifetz concert, a Beethoven sonata. The music was sublime, those composers, those Germans. Then suddenly from the box seats, I noticed a disturbance. Some guy leaped on the stage from the second row, said, Mr. Heifetz, you've got too much rosin on your bow. Phil Cousy is my name, I'm gonna stop the show. Your bow has too much rosin, too much rosin on your bow. Too much rosin, too much rosin on your bow. Your bow has too much rosin, too much rosin on your bow. Gosh, a hyphen said I'm shattered. You really hurt my feelings. And oh, by the way, I'll be definitely appealing. Phil Cousy shrugged and said, Yaja, please now leave the rostrum. He jerked his thumb at Hyphens. Phil Cousy, yeah, he tossed him. Too much rosin, too much rosin on your bow. Your bow has too much rosin, too much rosin on your bow. Well, hold on. Let me see. Just one second. I should make a call. Let's go hotter than blisters, shishitos When I take you out and we go 